Yeah. So, this... I, I feel as though I say every single time, this is going to be a good one, but this one, I might sound like a ranting lunatic, but still, I hope you enjoy it. This is the Ambushed, Ambushed Podcast, and my name is John. I am the host, the person that talks, but I was trained as a pastor, and this is one of the ways in which I'm trying to give something back. This episode is going to be interesting because I'm going to bring you on a journey, kind of bring you up to speed with kind of something that's been unfolding itself to me for the past, um, maybe, I guess the roots of it kind of go back a couple years ago, but even in the past year and a half, this has been happening all over the place. So this one is called whole making. And when I say whole, I mean W-H-O-L-E, whole making, because there is something going on at the deep roots of everything that goes to the large cosmic scale of absolutely everything. And then, uh, of course, Jesus is a part of it. So, this one is called Hole Making. Thank you for checking this out. And I hope this is at bare minimum entertaining for you because I am smiling kind of right now, even as I'm recording this. So let me go through this, all right? My parents are both instructors, they're both teachers. Uh, my mom was a professor for numbers of years, and so she and I and even my dad, we talk about what it's like to teach in a classroom. How do you, how do you teach things? How do you know whether or not something lands? Oh, and uh, by the way, we're, we're, all, we're already starting. We're diving right in. Here we go. But they said that there's something called muddlement, and perhaps you've experienced muddlement. If you've ever been in a classroom... And it felt as though you went to seven or eight of that semester's classes. And you, let's say the first six classes, nothing made sense, right? Where all of a sudden, on the seventh class, you go to it and 15 minutes into it, click. And all of a sudden, the past six classes, all their content fall together. And it's almost like... You opened up a box of a, a puzzle on the table, and at first you saw all the pieces were just in the box, just separate from everything, and then you dumped it out on the table, and it's like you dumped it out, and half of the puzzle fell together perfectly in place. You're like, whoa, you know, that, you know the click moment, right? Well, that's what's been happening to me the past year and a half, and I think the roots of it go back even further, because... I have come to realize that Jesus is a hole maker, not H-O-L-E, but W-H-O-L-E. Jesus is a hole maker. Now, what brought me to this? All right. Well, a number of years ago, I had some mentors who taught me about systems theory. Now, systems theory is just the general concept, and you can go as fancy as you want, that says everything's connected. But specifically, as you think about a group, 
Systems theory is a way of saying that there are no activities, there's only interactivities. That within a, a group or a family or an organization or a business, there's no such thing as activity, only interactivity. Everything's connected. The way that one person acts is a result of how these six people over here act. And these six people over here act because of how four people over here interact. And you have to start seeing things as a system that moves and breathes and dances and frustrates one another rather than understanding it as though it's a, an engine where if something's not working, you can just blame one piece and you pull out the one piece and you put in a new one. So there's a mechanical understanding of people and groups and families and organizations and businesses. And then on the other side, there's systems theory, which tends to look at things as though they are organisms and they're all interrelated. So that's what happened a few years ago. Systems theory. And then if you go back and listen to some past episodes, I did one on disintegrate. That's the title of it. And and that one I found out that integrity and integration obviously have the same root word. And so etymologically, they have the same exact base. To have integrity means that you've integrated all parts of your life together so that it's one seamless whole. You're not fragmented. Or in another phrase, you're not disintegrated. So that's part second part. I was like, oh wow, that's interesting. Integrate. That's a word. And then I was looking through Ephesians 1.10, where it says, and all things will be summed up or gathered under the headship of Christ. Well, in that is the Greek word anakephalioseistai, which is a fancy long word, and I admit it's more fun to say than it is just to know what it means. <laughs> but anakephalioseistai means that all things are being brought together under the headship, the kepha of, of Jesus. I, oh, it's like systems theory. It's kind of like integrate and integration and integrity. And then it brought me up to uh, a Franciscan theologian. Her name is Ilia Delio, and she wrote about whole making. And then there's another famous thinker, Ken Wilber, and a few other cosmologists have started to realize this is brilliant too. We need to shift from thinking that parts make up whole things and then start understanding whole things make up whole things. So let me say, uh, the cells in your body are not part of your body. They are whole cells that together make up for whole organs that make up a whole body. And so we've got to maybe realize that when we think about things as parts, we're falling back into thinking of everything as though it is a mechanism, like an engine, rather than an organism or a system. So this is all getting really dense. I recognize that, but stay with me because a few Sundays ago, I was sitting down and I was writing 
and this sentence came out. Jesus is a whole maker. And then I wrote this. Whole souls make whole people. They make whole households. They make whole communities. They make whole churches. They make whole the whole body of Christ globally. And so there we go. It's not parts make up wholes. It's that a whole soul makes up a whole person, makes up a whole household that makes up a whole community. It makes up a whole church that makes up the whole body of Christ. And then I was sitting there with a bunch of high schoolers one afternoon and we're talking about this weird word that happens in the New Testament and the word is double-minded. I was like, huh, that's really interesting. So I went and looked it up and the word double-minded was the word dipsukos, which di, D-I, meaning two, and sukos. I was like, that's the word for soul. So really, one translation you could say is double-mindedness, or you could say double-souledness, or, oh my goodness, you could say it means split-soulness. And Soren Kierkegaard latched onto this idea of being double-minded. And that a person loses their own purity, their own integrity, when they've got a split soul. Or he uses the word double-mindedness. But when we have a split soul, it causes issues. And so, just like I said that formula earlier, that whole souls make whole people, they make whole households, they make whole communities, they make whole churches, they make the whole global body of Christ, you can also say fragmented souls make for fragmented people that make for fragmented households that make for fragmented communities that make for fragmented churches that make for a fragmented body of Christ that is where my brain has been at for the past couple well couple weeks really quite intensely but I can see the roots of this whole idea germinating going back a couple of years. Huh. Jesus is a whole maker. And there's no wonder to me that the word whole and the word holy are so close in sound. What's, what's the word? They're homonyms. Whole and holy, right? They're not too far off. It's because in English, to be whole and to be holy are actually connected. And so this whole idea of of Jesus being a whole maker is connected to this idea that Jesus loves to make things holy. Jesus likes to make people's souls holy, to make people holy, to make households holy, to make communities and churches and the global body of Christ holy. Holy, you see, holy shnikes, this is everywhere. This includes everything and everyone. And here we are, and sometimes we've diminished the story of Jesus to just being about the forgiveness of sins, which I'm not saying that isn't it. But my goodness, we can talk about the forgiveness of sins, but we can also talk about whole making. Because let's be honest, 
to be forgiven of things helps to heal a soul. And that helps to make a whole person. And then that makes for a whole household and so forth. Then we go down that whole line again. So Jesus is a whole maker. But let's go even one step further. Is that a few days ago, I was sitting and I was thinking about one of the creeds, the Apostles' Creed, in which case we say that we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Those are four adjectives, but the first three have to do with oneness, being holy, and then katahalos, which we get the word Catholic from the Greek words katahalu, which means, guess what? Concerning the whole of everything. So even in one of the most ancient creeds that we have, there's a triple affirmation that we believe in oneness. We believe in wholeness. We believe in being concerned with the whole of everything. And then we're being sent out in some capacity. This is in front of us the whole time. These inferences are found all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament that Jesus is a whole maker. The divine loves to take fragmented things and make them whole, to heal, to redeem things on the soul level, on the personal level, on the family level, on the community level, on the church-wide level, on the global scale, all of this. In fact, it also brings me to another point. A good ecclesia, a really good church, is eclectic, and it's made up of many different things. It's eclectic, many different types of people coming together to create a whole church. But what I notice, and I'm still wrestling with this thought in my own mind, is that a really good church or a really good Jesus community Okay, even if it's a small group or you're out with your friends, a really good ecclesia is one that gives witness to whole making. That you come together and you say, hey, I saw this increment towards whole making happen in me. Or maybe you saw whole making happen for this person over here. Or maybe you watched this household over here get a inch closer to whole making or you see this church right get closer to whole making or on a global scale you notice something but also a really good ecclesia gives witness to the opposite movement i think it's really important for a good jesus community to give witness to fragmenting to the splitting to the dividing, to the tearing apart rather than the whole making. I think there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of groups that don't know how to give honest expression or witness to the fact that something might have fragmented somebody's soul, that this event over here broke a person in half, that this event over here shattered a family, that this over here 
tore church apart or that this over here is tearing the body of Christ apart across the whole world. You see, what we need to recognize is that every single activity that we ever do either works towards whole making or works against it. And if we aren't a part of a community that can give witness to the whole making or the unwhole making, then we've got to find something else. And, and I say all this because we can't be either or in how we give witness to life. You can't just pay attention to one half. If you only pay attention to the whole making, then you aren't paying any attention to the things that split or tear people apart. But you can't only focus on the things that tear people or families or communities apart. You've also got to know what we're headed towards. And so how do we, in our own lives and with our own friends or communities, how do we give witness to whole-making and also fragmenting? Because those things are both what happens. And we've got to start to recognize or give witness to it on the personal scale and then even up onto the cosmic scale. Because everything is meaningful. Anything we ever do contributes to our whole making or not our whole making on some level from the personal to the cosmic. No action is neutral. And, and let's remember, we're not just doing activities that bring us closer to whole making or further apart. We're always doing interactive things. What you might do that contributes to your being tear, torn apart is going to affect other people. If you use cocaine, it's going to affect other people. If you avoid counseling, that's going to affect other people. If you start going to the gym and start eating healthy, that's not just going to affect you. That's going to affect everyone that you interact with. Because you're not just a part, you're the whole of a whole other thing that's larger than you. And so how do we always work towards whole making on every level of existence? And so any hurdle that we experience in life to healing souls, to healing people, to healing households, to healing communities and churches or the body of Christ on a global scale, any hurdle is the opposite direction. That's, that's stuff that we need to resist. We must resist those activities that fragment in ourselves and in others because in this, in this life, we have to chase after health and holiness. And both of those things are endeavors that are affirmed by God. The divine delights when we turn and chase after health and holiness. And so fragmentation should be resisted. It should be limited as best as we are able. It should be fought against because God has always been interested in whole-making. And then here's something that's really tricky. Even the things that do fragment 
our soul, the, even the things that do fragment us or communities or households. These things can, we can learn from them. We even need to integrate the fragmentation. We need to integrate those experiences, not deny or repress or run away from them, but instead learn from them so that we don't keep repeating them. Because if you don't pay attention to what brought you to your own being shattered, you very well could walk down that same pathway again in the future. And guess what? You could very easily, accidentally, or maybe even on purpose, lead other people down that same path. And so we've also got to learn to integrate the fragmentation and learn from it and grow from it so that we don't do it again. Now, I need to stand up because I have over here on my bookshelf a book and I need to pull it open. Hold on. Julian of Norwich is, uh, she was a writer in England and she wrote something that's called uh, The Showings. That's one translation of it or one, one reading of it. But she had a vision or a series of visions from God because she was on her deathbed. And while she was there, she had some visions. She kept the visions to herself. And she wrote a short version. And then she also wrote a long version to each of these. And in these, she says some beautiful things. I'm looking for this one quote. Oh, man. I guess I should have pulled the quote out ahead of time, right? That probably would have helped this to flow quite a bit better. Hmm. Oh, come on, John. There we go. In the 53rd chapter, she says, And furthermore, God wants us to know that this beloved soul was preciously knitted to him in its making by a knot so subtle and so mighty that it is united in God. In this uniting, it is made endlessly holy. In the whole making, we are made holy. Furthermore, he wants us to know that all the souls which will be saved in heaven without end are knit in this knot and united in this union and made holy in this holiness. Julian of Norwich, who wrote in the 1300s, into the 1400s was onto something that came to me <laughs> uh, 700 years later. So she is far ahead of the curve when she realizes that God is tying everything into a large knot. And not, not a bad knot, a K-N-O-T, but a good one. God is actively looking to unite all things God is actively looking to endorse 
holiness through hole-making. There's even a passage in the New Testament that says, In him, meaning the Christ, all things hold together. And so we've got to reconcile with this general idea that we love independence and that we love solitary existence. We love to understand ourselves as a separate part of the universe, but not an active part in the universe. We are not, actually, like I said, we are not parts of the universe. We are whole people that actively contribute to the wholeness of the entire universe. You are a cosmic being, so am I. And Jesus came along to point us towards recognizing that everything finds its alpha and its omega, its beginning and its end in the divine. And so here we go. We need to do a shift. Maybe not a shift, but we maybe need to recognize the real telos, the real goal, the real end and purpose, the reason for everything is to be united with everything in Christ, which is, like I said, a reference back to Ephesians 1.10, which talks about the anakephaliosestai, that all things are being summed up, gathered up, brought together under the headship of Christ. And so listen, even if you don't consider yourself a Christian in the formal sense, maybe you've been handed a picture of Jesus that looks nothing like what I just said. Maybe you've only been handed a Jesus that says he came just to suffer and die because you deserve to suffer and die, but didn't have anything You weren't taught anything about wholeness or health or being redeemed or being healed or whole-making, then maybe this has helped to give you a different angle altogether because we are saturated in the divine at all times, whether we know it or not, like it or not. The divine is swirling around us and among us and through us. And I understand that maybe sounds like Star Wars and the Force, but guess where George Lucas got that idea from? He got that from Christianity. God has always had a passionate interest in whole-making and healing people's souls. And the word for soul can also mean mind, at least in the Greek. Everyone that has a fragmented mind, everyone's got fragmented core at the center of who they are. God delights to make those things whole within us. But the gospel doesn't stop there. God is also passionately excited to whole make people. And their households. And I say households because marriages don't always last. But households do. And sometimes households aren't just the nuclear family. Sometimes households include aunts or uncles or cousins or people living with us or multi-generations within one household. God delights to bring households together. God delights to make communities and churches and the global body of Christ come together. And what could be beyond that? I have no idea. But God seems interested 
in anakephalaosestai, bringing all things together in health and wholeness and holiness. And I can think of no better way to finish this episode than to say, go and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And just like he was a whole maker on multiple levels, may you go today and be a whole maker in your own household, in your own community, in your own area. Within your sphere of influence, you have exposure to fragmented people that need somebody to be a Christ to them. And so I'm saying, go and be like Christ and be a whole maker. Be a whole maker. I love that sentence. Be a whole maker. Make grace and peace be with you.